he's such an asset to Wolves. He really is on and off the pitch. You make a bad pass, he's there for you. You make a bad decision, he's there for you. He's just that guy, he just loves football, he loves helping people, he loves talking to people. Just He's one of the best guys you'll ever meet. You know, every time an obstacle's kind of got in his way, he's been A, good enough, and B, had the right attitude to overcome whatever obstacle's been there. captain that I've ever had. I, I don't think I will have a, one better than him like uh, inside of the pitch. And as a person, he's unbelievable. Probably the most important player to put on a wolf shirt in the last 20, 30 years. I don't mind saying I'm proud of him. I'm proud of what he's achieved. And, you know, he's someone I can call a friend for life. In all the years and all the games, all the great players to embrace the old gold, Connor Cody is just the 36th to reach the milestone of 300 appearances. I'm Mikey Burrows, and through the words of those who know him best, we wanted to give you an insight into not just the player, the captain, but also the character. Starting with another member of the 300 Club, Dave Edwards, who shares with us how he felt when Connor joined in July of 2015. Not another midfielder. That's what I was thinking when he first turned up through the door. But no, I've played against Coase quite a few times when he was at Sheffield United and Huddersfield. Everyone had always spoke so highly of him just as a, as a person and what a, what a good guy he is. He's one of those lads that when you first meet them... It kind of puts you at ease straight away in terms of it's not awkward at all, um, which it can be sometimes you meet someone you haven't really met before, but he's not like that. He's so kind of positive and happy and straight away you feel like you're, you've been his mate for like, well, after a day in his company, you feel like you've been his mate for 20 years. He's that sort of character. It was a quite a big sign of a Kenny jacket that summer. We were looking to try and kick on and the investment didn't seem like it quite been there and he was one of the the marquee signs that year and it's an exciting time for the club because he was come with quite a big reputation he'd scored an absolute screamer hadn't he for Huddersfield yeah. against us at Molly so did you think like he's a goal scoring midfielder he's coming in to take my role I wouldn't say so much my my role but I, I knew that he would he would obviously come in as a, a first choice midfielder I think still at the time Kevin McDonald was there as well Jack Price would have been there there'd been a few more as well so it was always competitive in there I remember that goal and I just thought technically he's it, what I remember him was, was being very very good and he'd always been dubbed as this sort of new Steven Gerrard when he's coming through at Liverpool and I kind of envisaged him to be that sort of player with like sort of aggressive leader those sort of long raking passes and things like that but yeah I definitely remembered his his goal at Molyneux as well and thought well he's gonna definitely get the fans excited if he can hit him like that but I don't think we've seen it since have we? Also in that dressing room, club captain at the time, Danny Bart, who tells us what drew them together to be friends. Yeah, I would say there's probably just similarities in sort of our backgrounds, probably from the same kind of families. Obviously, both came through academies. I just think we've got a lot of fundamental things that are probably aligned, really, in terms of, like, you know, hard work, not afraid to say our piece if it's needed, and just generally 
easygoing, I would say. You know, within the training ground, you're going to be drawn to people like that who are similar to you in terms of their personality. And I think that was the case with Codes. So we obviously still talk now and stuff and we're good mates. So I'm just pleased to see he's doing so well now on the on the pitch. And well, he's done so well for so long, to be honest. Because it would be really easy for someone like him with the background that he had to kind of come in and be quite big time. But I think he's almost like the furthest away from being a big time character of anyone he could ever imagine. Yeah, no, he's, he's very humble and down to earth, which is probably why he's so likeable. And I don't think that's changed with him at all. So I think he's very much like, very, very much aware of what a privileged position it is to be a footballer and how so many people try to be a footballer and don't probably succeed. And then obviously to go to the level that codes at now, obviously representing the country and, you know, if you like becoming an ambassador for, for football in the English game. He's done that through being down to earth, being a nice person, being humble, but also on the pitch, you know, fighting for every every ball, being aggressive, learning all the time and being open-minded. So I think those those qualities of what have obviously put him in good stead and obviously now he's in a good position where he's got that experience now. The Wolves Cody joined had just finished seventh in the first season back in the Championship. But as he arrived, arguably the team's best player in Bakary Sacco left, followed in the January by main striker Benica Fobi, and the club was up for sale. The summer of 2016 saw plenty of change. Under new owners Foson, a host of new signings arrived, including goalkeeper Andy Lonergan. I remember when I first met Connor, it was probably the, the first day of pre-season, and I think, I remember he just come over to me. Obviously, he's very lively character, and he con, and he's like, where do you live? I said, Preston. And he went, not far from me, that. We can, we can share a lift and we drive. And I'm like, where do you live? He's like, St. Helens. I thought, yeah, it's not too bad. I think I can pick him up. Anyhow, he had me, um, actually, no, he actually said to me, do you want to move in with me? And I was like, bloody heck, like, um, well, I've nowhere to live, so yeah, yeah. And then I know Mike Williamson from when I was younger. So Mike was like, I'll, I'll come in. So like within a day, we, we had a place to live, which was Connor's house. But on the occasions we did go home, I'd always be picking him up and dropping him off. And he said he was just off the M6. It's about 45 minutes away from the M6. So my journey that was two and a half hours was was three and a half hours. Do you know what I mean? So um, he, he found that quite enjoyable. He found that enjoyable. But I had another flip in hours drive home after dropping him off is that a kind of an insight into what kind of character he is that he literally must have known you what hours before he asked you to move in with him yeah probably <laughs> probably probably not even that i'm sure it was before training i'm thinking i don't even know this guy's name <laughs> do you know what i mean um <laughs> but no he's a great he's a great bloke on and he just like from that moment he just wanted he just wanted to be around people. I like a bit of me time. I like I like a bit of quietness. But with Connor, he's always wanted to do something. Always wanting to sort of passion for football. Like he'd watch me and Mike and be like, "We'd watch a game on a Monday night." And it's funny because it was Connor's house, and we only had two sofas in there. And uh, I'd lay on one, and Mike would lay on the other. We'd make Connor sit on the floor. <laughs> so Connor would sit on the floor watching Monday night football, and it could be. You know, from seven o'clock, he'll watch all the the pre-match. He'll watch the game and watch half time, and the, the after-match stuff. And he was like, he'd come away and it'd be nil-nil. It'd be a dire game, and he'd be like, "What a game that was! Like, what a game!" He's just so positive about football. And you know, I think everyone, obviously, now his sort of profiles increased dramatically. Everyone can see what kind of guy he is, and he's just that guy. He just loves football. He loves helping people. He loves talking to people. 
just he's one of the best guys you'll ever meet. That second season ended up being hard on Cody. With competition so strong in midfield, he spent much of the year playing as a makeshift right back. Here's Dave Edwards. The turmoil which was going on at the football club, not in a bad way, but there was changes of managers, new signings, nothing, no one really knew what's going on with the board and the, the, when Fosun um, took over the club. And Weber Codes was in the team playing right back, right midfield, centre midfield. His attitude to everything never changed. And we had times where we were sat on the bench together and he would never, ever sulk. You know I mean, you get lads who sulk really bad when they're not in the team and you know they're on the bench thinking they don't really want us to win here because they want to be in the team. You get those people in football, probably, I'd say the majority of people in football are like that. You look after yourself, whereas Coe's just not like that at all. In the dressing room for a game, if he was on the bench, he'd be the main person rallying everyone. And I think that's why when Nuno came in and he's looking around the squads, I think he saw Codes as someone who everyone respected. From there, he can match up his football abilities. And he thought, right, I'm going to put him at the centre of this football club because he is someone you can build it around. And, and since then, I think he's been the, the poster boy, really, hasn't he? And he's, he's such an asset to Wolves. He really is on and off the pitch. Because it, it's a strange one, isn't it? That we, we view him in the role that has become synonymous with his name. I call it the Connor Cody role. I think it's, yeah. you know, it's a sweeper, isn't it? But most people yeah. around Wolves certainly would refer to it as the Connor Cody role. And yet it's not like he went directly from midfield to that. The, we forget that the famous win at Liverpool in the FA Cup, he's playing right back. Yeah, He, he did that. He moved, he played different roles. He was a utility man. Did you ever see that in him at the start? And did you ever see a sense from him that that frustrated him that he couldn't nail down that one specific role? I, I think it definitely frustrated him. I think he saw himself as a central midfielder and he'd been looking at games thinking, I, I think I deserve to play in there. But it was more just the managers knew, every single manager knew that I need to get Connor Cody in the team. We might be overloading in midfield, but I know for a fact he will do a job, whether it's right midfield, he's done a few times, right back um, under Paul Lambert for quite a lot of that second half of the season um, before Nunu came in. And I think it was just everyone trusted him, the managers, the coaches. So if they were going to move someone out of position, he was the one who would give you a performance every time and it almost played against him. And I think it was almost the same when Nunu came in as well. Nunu had four or five central midfielders at the time and he was only going to play two. Um, then obviously Ruben came in as well. I remember he was out in Austria in, in pre-season and we're working on the tactical shape and stuff and there was maybe four or five centre midfielders there and you're kind of playing two 11s v each other. So obviously all the centre midfielders can't get in the team. Then we hardly had any defenders at the time. So I think Codes was then said, right, can you just do a job at centre-back? I don't know if Nuno had seen something before this. You'd have to ask Codes if they'd already had a conversation. But it almost seemed like, right, Codes, will you go and do that for us? He went there and I just remember just, he was just started hitting those big diagonals out to the right-hand side. You know, the ones he always used to, to Matt Doherty, that ball. He was doing it time after time. And you could just see everything. Wow, he's good there, isn't he? But he can't be a centre half. He's not. He's not big enough. And then, as the preseason games went on, I was like, "Well, actually, no. He doesn't need to be big. He reads the game so well, and he talks. He organises. He can see the whole pitch in front of him. And it's like, wow, this is. It's just fallen into place from this is his position. And then him being there, it was just like the perfect storm for for codes. Then he obviously ended up leading the club, and say so the rest is history. So the arrival of Nuno gave Cody a new position and a new leadership role. Arriving that summer was Brazilian striker Leo Bonatini. It doesn't matter how big player you are, you always need some time to adapt yourself to for when you move. 
to someone else. And when you arrive at some place that uh, the captain welcomes you very good with like a, an open heart, it makes everything easier. Of course, for, for me, it was uh, better because my English was not like good as now, but uh, I had the Portuguese there so we could speak the same language to ask uh, where is the best place to live, where if I want to go to the restaurant, everything. But Connor, everyone takes what Connor does as an example because he's the leader and he's the captain. So, of course, we are going to follow what he does. And we feel that uh, he's the guy that uh, it's uh, looking for everything and to protect the players, the media, with the coach staff, with uh, inside the pitch, with the referee, everything. And this is what uh, the captain should do. And he does very well. So I think it's very important for everyone, even with Fabio, when he arrived in, uh, in, in England, before he arrives in England, he got a message from, uh, from the captain. And then inside your heart, you always think, oh, yes, I did the, the, the right decision. You know? So I'm, I'm going to the right place. It's very important for everyone. So Cody was now captain, but only on the field. Danny Barr was still club captain. So was that ever an issue? I don't think it was just purely because he was so modest about it as well. So obviously I wanted to play every game. Everyone knows that and every player always does. But if I'm not playing, I'm the number one mascot and the number one cheerleader, do you know what I mean? Because I wanted Wolves to do well so, so much. And we had obviously that cause in common. And I think the whole dressing room was like that. It wasn't a case of subs, subs were upset that they weren't playing. It was a case of, you know, I'm going to have to work damn hard and make sure that I'm, I'm picked next week. And if I'm not picked that, that week, I'll be ready when I'm needed. Do you know what I mean? And that was kind of the spirit within the dressing room. And I think that was ultimately why there was no sort of awkwardness because we were both in it for the same reason. And we both wanted, I, I love seeing him do well now. And I was the same when I wasn't playing and Codes was playing. It was just a, a mutual respect and a, a case of, you know, we wanted to take the club forward and we were both prepared prepared to do everything we could to do that. So whether that was on the field, off the field, or, you know, a sub or as captain on the pitch, whichever one it was, it was a case of both of us kind of sharing it around and, and really feeling as if we were, you know, giving everything in a sacrificial way to the club. Together, Bart and Cody lifted the championship title. And whilst Danny moved on, Connor became the linchpin, the near ever present through FA Cup and Europa League runs to international call ups and even a few goals. Now, we've heard a lot about Cody the player and Cody the captain, but what about Cody the person? He's just a good human being, isn't he? So I know obviously a lot of the people that will be listening probably don't know him on that level, but, you know, he's the kind of person that would probably help an old lady off the train if she was struggling. Do you know what I mean? She, he's, he's such a nice guy. So he's fortunately become a footballer and now he's a footballer that's a really nice guy, which is, isn't is all too uncommon, believe it or not. But I think what it is, is his personality has been captured. You know, you see you see videos of him on the training ground, you see his visits to the community and it's, it's captured and it's good that and positive that, you know, people relate to him because they know him as a footballer, but they also know him as a person as well, which I think some players probably aren't so open to. I was going to say, is there a different side to him that, that we might not know about, we might not have seen in those public appearances, but you would have done in all the time you've spent with him? 
I remember me and Doc used to a few times we've, we've caught him because you know how he's like 100 miles an hour all the time but then around like five, six o'clock after we'd had training, say we were travelling to an away game, he would just crash and he would just be like a folded deck of cards like on the te- on the table, on the coach. And we'd be like, we'd just look at him and be like, you're shattered, aren't you? And he'd be like, yeah, mate, I'm, I'm shattered, mate. And he'd just be there in the corner on his phone, half asleep. He probably um, struggles to keep it up, you know, past tea time. But until then, it he's like on go, kid. isn't he? It sounds like you're yeah, just describing a kid who's yeah. crashing after a really busy day. I think the, the main negative is that he's he's never negative. You know, sometimes where you just want to have a, a bit of a crap day, you think, I'm not feeling it today. I just want to get in, be miserable for the afternoon and then and get home. But he, he won't let you. He's in your face. He's bubbly, smiling. I'd probably say that the most annoying thing is how loud he speaks on the phone when he's speaking to his missus on the phone. He's, he's always on the phone to his wife, but he was when I was... I was at the football club and I remember Andy Lonergan used to come in and he used to share lists of codes or he used to stop over in Walls and sometimes he'd say, Andy Codes always on the phone, so noisy. If I hear about what his Mrs. Zaffer T wants more, <laughs> and he would just be so naughty. Like every time he picked it up, it was like, all right, and it's just mental. And all the boys used to sort of get onto him for that. You know, I've said before my time at Wolves didn't go as planned and I was a bit down and he'd always He'd always treat me. He'd say, I'll treat you to some squashies. And we walked to the co-op and he'd find me these squashies and I put on about two stone in me. <laughs> he loved it. He found that hilarious. He couldn't wait to tell the lads after weighing day that I'd been eating all the squashies. I remember you telling me once that when he would get in the car for your long journeys down the motorway, he'd have the same conversation with every single member of his family. He would. He would. Every sing- he'd ring every single person in his family. <laughs> And he'd ring him after training as well, and they'd all ask him how training was, and he'd give the same answer. Oh, it was great, it was great, hard work, it was great, it was great. But every one of them, every one of them, his uncles, his aunties, his cousins, it's like, bloody hell, con, just send, send, create a group chat and tell them training was good. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it was non-stop, non-stop. I was speaking with the guys, like, uh, how is that, is that possible? He's every day in a good mood, Every day he goes to Liverpool, and I was asking him, please, how? And then he say, ah, to arrive at home and to see my family, to see the boys, it's the best thing that I that could happen in my in my life. So this makes me feel happy. To makes me to gives me energy to to have this. And I was incredible because everyone we have like uh, some days that uh, we are not in a good mood, but. He didn't show to anyone. He was the first guy to live uh, to arrive in campus, working every day hard. He's the special one. He's the guy that uh, makes us look at him and say, "How can I complain to go if he, this guy goes one hour to to meet his family? I need just ten minutes to arrive at home, and I cannot complain." So when you see this every day during the game, you make a bad pass, he's there for you. You make a bad decision, he's there for you. And then you you always want to run for him. So this is more about the things in the pitch. But as a person, he's it's unbelievable. He's a very good guy. And uh, I can imagine that he's a very good father as well. So from cult hero to captain, right back to right in the heart of the club. It's been an incredible journey, a lasting legacy from the leader of the pack. I always say to everyone, even when Totti was going to to Wolves for the the couple of weeks, 
I said to him, you met the best captain that I've ever had. I remember also when Fabio Silva arrived in Wolves, he told me that uh, even before he was in England, Kona was messaging him saying that uh, everything that he, he needs, he could tell to Cody and uh, he's the, the leader, he is the guy. He always said about the, the squad that we had a lot of good players, not in the pitch, but outside. They are very good boys and especially Connor Cody because he's the, the best. So, like uh, I love him. I love him. I, I really enjoy to see him playing and uh, I, I try to watch every, every game from Wolves. And also, he's unbelievable. He plays all the games, like uh, 90 minutes. And uh, when he's not playing, I don't think it's Wolves playing. You know? I miss the long balls, everything. So he deserves everything. I wish him all the best ever. Well, if I think of what, you know, what the club potentially paid for him, the service he's given, and obviously beyond the football, obviously the football is he's been incredible in terms of the football and the value for money, if you like, as far as, you know, transfer fees and and things go these days. Um, I don't think you'll come across a better one, really, at Wolves. You know, because some lads are obviously brilliant, brilliant players, but they've also cost a, a couple of quid as well. Um, but I think Codes probably goes slightly under the radar because of that. But it is great to see that he's finally getting, you know, the recognition that I think the years of hard work and development have, have brought him to um, to obviously his England call up and playing in a you know a, a European um, competition with Wolves and you know I think you'd, you'd be hard pressed to find a better service player for Wolves in a long time when I talk about the best players in terms of ability wise and technique that I've seen on the training pitch, the likes of Ruben Neves and I've spoke about Helder Costa quite a lot. And them guys are just special, special talents. But in terms of someone who's had a biggest an influence on the football club as what, what he has, then I can't think of anyone anywhere really, unless you're going right to the top of a Gerard at Liverpool or something like that. I think in my lifetime, he is the, the most influential person to have pulled on a Wolf shirt. I really do. Um, just what he's done for, not just for the club, for the city. Um, as I said, he is at the, the, the pinnacle of, of his career and he's at the forefront of what Wolves do. He's, he's that poster boy to, to some extent, but he is, um, he, he deserves so much admiration off the, off the fans and his peers, his teammates for the way he carries himself around the football club, the way he talks about the football club. He's so proud every time he wears that shirt and it's been a, uh, a slow journey it's not like he's come in and fireworks straight away it's been a slow burn and he's got there and he's waiting for his chance and, and he's taken it with both hands so I think yeah he's in my lifetime as far back as I can remember he is probably the most important player to pull on a wolf shirt in the last 20 to 30 years you know it's really good to see someone play that many games at, at one club it means that you know you're happy and everyone's doing everything right and Oh, it's, it's a great achievement, and I'm sure there's many, many more to come. Do you think he knows just how much people think of him, not just inside the club, but fans and other people, other watchers, you know, even national media and things? Do you think he's aware of just the the warm feelings that people have towards him? Um, no, I don't. I don't because, like I say, he's so humble and he's not a 
sort of a social media guy, is he, Connor? He's not a, you know, he's a, he's a bit old school. He just he just plays his football, and he's you know he's a massive family man. Everyone knows he's he's got three lovely children and a you know a lovely wife, and he's really close to his family, and he's just he's so grounded and. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll be, I don't mind saying I'm proud of him. I'm proud of what he's achieved. And, you know, he's someone I can call a friend for life.